Tickets.com, independent bookstores, and on the 29th at iHouse. Find more information at kpfa.org. And you're listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno. Online at kpfa.org. The time is now 3 p.m. Stay tuned for Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up. In darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is Tuesday, December the 30th, 2014. Yes, yes, they call it the year of our Lord. (laughs) Yes, 2014. Some folks still call it that. Ah, I forget just why it's the year of their Lord, but oh, yada da yada da, in any case. It's almost over. And next year, 2015, hovers, hovers in the wings. It feels redundant to say anything about how awful next year could be, maybe. I mean, how could anything be worse than 2014? However, anything can get worse. And uh, 2014... Would have been uh, quite pleasant if war, famine, plague, and death could have been could have been tempered by acts, uh, the acts of humankind to mitigate natural disasters, the rise of disease, E. coli, so forth. But denial is still happening. We do seem to compound all the natural. Uh, disasters, you know, the tragic accidents, uh, oh, the airline crashes, and the inevitable toxic fallout and pollution which accompany all our technological progress. So clever. The man-made ills are still at the top of my list when it comes to creating suffering, both for ourselves and for the animals and the plants, and for every living thing on this, our home, our dear home, in a universe that offers us no other, no home or any other land or planet, uh, nothing but that which is under our feet. There is no escape from Gaia, from our source, our mother, this incredible creation that has given us a chance to become 
I guess the word is unique, uh, never before, uh, something so special, yes, a species so special, yes, same, yes, same root of the word, a special species. Now, we might be justified in calling ourselves gods. I mean, not invisible gods, just just magnificent uh, metaphors, you know. Uh, creatures with the magic powers that our ancestors uh, thought were only qualities of what they called, I guess they called them supernatural beings, um... Gods, gods, sacred, holy, luminous, um, magic, magic, that's what they called it in the beginning. Luminous, luminous. Uh, I just think of them as uh, swell souls, most of them, most of us. You know, uh, the clever people capable of understanding the limitless wealth and beauty of our natural world. Uh, I shouldn't call it our. Let's call it the natural world. All we need is to open our eyes. There's the sun, the earth, the land, air, water, and a cerebral cortex that can grasp the possibilities that can see, can understand that compassion is just enlightened self-interest, that care trumps cruelty at every stage of development. To nurture nature has always been one of our great talents. Ah, I'm amazed when I see what human beings could accomplish, you know, before they had all those uh, new machines and what we called the industrial age. Uh, we had a genius for cultivation, for invention, for the arts of living. You know, we had that mentoring magic with the young, carried the wisdom of the mothers from one generation to the next. Anyway, to many of us, it seems that our ancestors may have done a better job of sustaining, sustaining the environment, caring for the land. Used to be called husbanding. <laughs> a strange word, husbandry. I got lost, got lost that word. Uh, this business of grasping the inherent qualities of plants and animals, of the elements themselves. I guess, you know, I think of it as knowledge, but it doesn't have to, it is known, it doesn't have to be learned, uh, except at a certain stage, you know. Once we've begun to mess it up, you know, the effort it takes to straighten it out, that really takes some doing. So many early civilizations saw uh, the moment when it was best just to let things alone. No, let nature take care of itself. Uh, 
the dangers of interfering with natural processes are, as we see, catastrophic. Imagine trying to sustain um, just human life on another planet, on a place without all our natural, what do you call them, natural magic, the magic of earth, air, fire, and water. Today, you know, the overwhelming damage that is done by interfering with the elements with Earth's primal processes uh, threatens to do us in. Mm-hmm. You know, where we have upset the balance of nature, how incredibly expensive it is to fix some of these violent assaults mm-hmm. on the climate, on our home. Uh, Al Gore wrote a book long ago. Uh, see, it was published back before he ran for vice president in 1992. It was his first book. The title was Earth in the Balance. Who knew? <laughs> Come to think of it, who read it? Uh, his recent work is uh, more, what is it? It's getting circulation because he made a movie. Anyway, when I first read that, I thought, who knew the Gulf Stream was just kind of, um, what is it? Uh, it was as complicated, at least, as the human bloodstream, you know. Uh, it's not nice to mess with Mother Nature. Uh, in fact, it's suicidal. I have a file somewhere of all the laments by my favorite poets warning us of the dangers we face, of the traits in human nature which may be the cause of our extinction. Oh, gee, I think sometimes uh, when when I really worry, uh, it's a bad idea, it's unfair, as James Baldwin used to say, to say that there is no hope. It's not nice to say that especially to the children, uh, then I think, actually, it's not a good idea to tell ourselves there is no hope. A bad psychology, you know. It's like atrogenic medicine, you know. You don't tell people that they're degenerating. <laughs> anyway, I think, uh, as the late great Fats Waller used to say, uh, one never know, do one. It may be that things are just about to take off in a new direction. We're going to have a, uh, a wonder world in which people use their, uh, what is it, their cerebral cortex to uh, get past some of this nonsense. Uh, you know, all this hubris, arrogance, all this primate grandiosity. You know, uh, some of us are learning to uh, ignore the heroic myths and these wild fantasies that we can live forever, conquer, dominate. You know, the brain has always been the seat of our sorrows. There's a wonderful new word. I've been using it everywhere. Uh, it's called neuroplasticity. It seems to mean, I think it means, that we can stretch our minds. 
plastic is a funny word, plastic minds anyway, that our central nervous system can and will evolve. You know, we can grasp the nettle, can hold fast uh, to uh, a new, what is it, a a new belief. It's going to hurt, you know, because we're going to have to let go of a lot of old stuff. Uh, For millions of years, we have been subject to things like otherism, you know, unable to understand, love, cherish things that don't look like us, well, uh, at least half a million, yes. <laughs> you know, someone told me once that that was, uh, that was the sort of thing that human beings did because it ensured their survival. You know, the tribe across the river is dangerous. We have to uh, do away with them. Now, it didn't matter so much when it was only possible to destroy one generation, you know, uh, when mega disasters could be survived in the long run, when Earth could recover. These days, wars are more ecological disasters than anything else. I notice no one wants to think about this stuff in terms of uh, human extinction, They always think they will be the ones to survive. Now, uh, lately I do see some wonderful fiction on TV. They say it's fiction, uh, science fiction, you know, about uh, how long it will be before urban landscapes uh, recover from uh, disaster from a nuclear holocaust, say, and come back to nature, yes, after man, it's called, yes. Now, I remember George Carlin used to say, there will be peace on earth someday. Whether or not we will be here to enjoy it is another question. Now, let's see, counting carefully, the dinosaurs had about 150 million years. Or was it only 120 million years? And we have had... uh, Well, some estimates say that we may have had uh, almost two million years. Um, (laughs) Dinosaurs, smarter than we. Of course, dinosaurs, they're still here, actually, sort of. They're now birds, mostly. They evolved from certain ancient creatures with wings. Mm, Number of uh, vertebrae seem to be evolved from ancient critters, surely all those, you know, amphibians, crocodiles, um, and especially those insects, Uh, the roach. (laughs) I brought poems today written by my favorite roach, Archie, yes, (laughs) I'll get around to him. Okay, I think, you know, that... uh, We've all transmogrified. I kind of feel like lately it's my fish brain that's operating. Uh, (laughs) I I am a firm believer in aquatic apes. They're my favorite fantasy. Uh, I think we went back into the ocean and then came back out again. You know, like whales and things. I think just making wild guesses. My guesstimate is that we're likely to be around long enough uh, 
to evolve into something very different from what we are today. Hmm, just a guess. My only evidence for our evolution into something rather strange is my impression that humans have begun to lose their sense of humor. I could be wrong, I hope so. Maybe it's just me. I don't mean that people don't tell jokes anymore, don't laugh. I mean, they seem to be less willing to see the human comedy, the essential absurdity of our little lives. <laughs> I don't know what's happened exactly. Uh, we've forgotten, if we ever knew, that we we kind of caught between the two eternities, we have but a short interval, this little, little moment of consciousness, this magic time. As time becomes real, we can see a beginning and an end and even a middle. We are born and live and love and lose and we can count the days and the hours and what a gift to know what hit us. I love so many animals, and they are so, so beautiful, and so, what, so, so happy, <laughs> so glad to be alive. And yet, I know, I believe, I suspect they don't know that their life uh, is so limited that they won't be here forever. Uh, our gift, you know, our consciousness or moment in eternity, uh, it's what causes men and women to create, you know, to become artists, gods, to study mega metaphors, to write stories with narratives, with time and place and names. No, language itself, words. In the beginning was the word. If there is a divine presence in or around human lives, it is our speech, our language. All creatures speak to one another, even plants. But we are the only ones, we human beings... We are the only ones so gifted that our complex thoughts, you know, can be written down. Words can just grow and grow and uh, evolve and the context can change. And the best of our thoughts, the very best of our thoughts, come with laughter, with a kind of wild cosmic sense of humor laughter is enlightenment it is insight it's about seeing who we are what we are the absurdity of our being at all <laughs> I still struggle with what's called non-being I'm in awe of existence I can't imagine, after 81 years, how I could possibly cease to exist. 
I shall become extinct. It takes years for an infant to interpret what she sees, you know, to give names to things. It's a wonderful uh, story by Mark Twain called The Diary of Adam and Eve, in which Eve goes around naming things, and Adam asks her why, and she says, because it looks like a dodo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she leaves signs around like, keep off the grass. What she sees is what she is, what she becomes. Uh, in the world's eyes, in the world's eyes, we exist, and then in our own eyes, we exist. I don't know the difference anymore. It takes a lifetime to sort out consciousness. Uh, what we see is what we are, I think. Someone said, what we see depends on where we sit. <laughs> I I have come to the conclusion that I am finally altogether myself. But I know that if I live to be 90, <laughs> I will find I had it all wrong. <laughs> Gertrude Stein once wrote, Let me listen to me, not to them. I think... Uh, Human environments have been created in tribes for oh so long that when the human mind wants to become other, that is, individual, uh, it gets into great difficulties. Uh, Gertrude Stein also said that the uh, human mind is not human nature. That one I'm still studying, and I don't quite understand what she means. Uh, if human nature is not the human mind, then the human mind can be altered with this neuroplasticity, with brain science. I know it's too late for me. It's all gibberish at my end, but for young people, neuroplasticity may mean that they become not altogether new, but that they take their cerebral cortex in hand and create something altogether new and altogether absurd. <laughs> I don't know why. I guess it's because I've been reading uh, the what is it, the Victorians and all these ancient people, and they do seem to me to have better a better sense of uh, humor than, <laughs> than the folks I'm listening to now. Remember when we used to have the funny stuff everywhere, like in the newspapers? And nowadays, all we've got is the sitcom on TV. And still, that's where you find the greatest intelligence, the bright folks. I think, uh, uh, I hope it's not Woody Allen, but... One of those comedians said that uh, comedy is for those who think. Tragedy is for those who feel. 
once again, I do think we can put them all together. I want to read you just one little bit of my favorite poem uh, I read, Archie and Mehitable. Every New Year's goes back all the way to the 20s. It's by a guy who used to write for the Chicago Sun-Times and for several newspapers. He used to write stories about Mahitable and Alley Cat and a cockroach named Archie who used to type up his poems in the office of his boss who was a journalist. <laughs> Let me just read you a few lines. Uh, Archie is writing to his boss. He has difficulty uh, getting the uh, the typewriter to make a capital letter, so his poems are always done in lowercase letters. Uh, he writes this poem called Cheerio, my deario. Well, boss, I met Mahedable the cat trying to dig a frozen lamb chop out of a snowdrift the other day. A hell of a come down that is for me, Archie, she says. A few brief centuries ago, one of old King Tutank Dumman's favorite queens. And today, the village scavenger. But what the hell, Archie? What the hell? It's cheerio, my deario, that pulls a lady through. See here, Mehitable, I said. I thought you told me that it was Cleopatra you used to be before you transmigrated into the carcass of a cat. Where do you get this two-tank-unman stuff, question mark? Oh, I was several ladies, my little insect, says she. Being Cleopatra was only an incident in my career. And I was always getting the rough end of it. Always being misunderstood by some straight-laced, prune-faced bunch of prissy-mouthed sisters of uncharity. The things that have been said about me, Archie, exclamation point, and all simply because I was a live dame. The palaces I have been kicked out of in my time, exclamation point. But what the hell, little Archie? What the hell? It's Cheerio, my deario, that pulls a lady through! Exclamation point. Framed, Archie. Always framed. That is the story of all my lives. No chance for a dame with anvil chorus if she shows a little motion. It seems to me only yesterday that the Luxor local number one of the Ladies' Axe Association got me in Dutch with King Tut, and he slipped me the sarcophagus always my luck, yesterday an empress, and today too emaciated to interest a vivisectionist, but toujours gay Archie. Toujours gay and always a lady in spite of hell and transmigration. Once a queen, always a queen, Archie, period. 
one of her feet was frozen, but on the other three, Hedible began to caper and dance, singing, It's cheerio, my deario, that pulls a lady through. Her morals may have been mislaid somewhere in the centuries. But, boss, I admire her spirit. Signed, Archie. <laughs> I think I'll skip the one about the moth here, but I don't have time to read you about Mehitable's love affair in Paris. I'll save that for next time. I've always identified with Mehitable, the alley cat. Uh, she seems to have the best of things. I'll be back on the air again next Tuesday at the same time. God willing. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. The ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow. V from the KPFA First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Thanks to everyone for your generous support throughout this year. KPFA exists because of you. Now is that time of year for making an end-of-the-year tax-deductible donation. It's easy to do so at kpfa.org. If you haven't yet done so, please go to kpfa.org today. We are community-powered because of you. Happy holidays. Andrews from the KPFA, KPFA.